Regina and Christine, where we share our stories as women openly and honestly. We believe it's through our journeys, our happy and sad times that connect us as sisters, because we're all perfectly imperfect. Welcome back to Perfectly Imperfect. This is Christine. And I'm Regina. And we are on episode three. Can you believe it? That's absolutely incredible. I, it's been so much fun reading your guys' comments and seeing the engagement on the topics that we've been talking about. And um, yeah, we really, really enjoy having these conversations together. Yeah. And then this is our first recording where uh, Regina's in New York and I'm in LA. So we've been trying to figure out audio issues. So sorry in advance <laughs> if it's not as great as episode one or two. But we're trying. We're learning. That's the whole point of this. Exactly. Exactly. But in the meantime, we're really excited about this week's topic. It's something that means a lot to me and me and Regina because we're going to talk about um, our past and growing up and our childhood and basically how many experiences in our past have influenced the decisions and situations that we are currently in as adults. And I think it's important to, yeah, it's important to go back and really get to the root of the issue of why we have current insecurities and I believe that it stems from specific experiences that we had in childhood and we told ourselves that oh we're never going to let this thing happen again we're never going to be embarrassed and whatever it is and we carry it to adulthood and you know and then when we're adults we actually don't know why we do some of the things that we do so getting into it I'm I know we've talked about this several times but Regina like growing up as a woman, or growing up as a girl and as an Asian American, how did that affect, I guess, your mindset and, you know, any insecurities that developed mm-hmm. as a kid? So I think that growing up, my parents had kind of expectations of, you know, how I was supposed to do in school, how well I was supposed to do in school, expectations of, you know, my interests. Um, both of my parents work in the medical field, so that was something that they, like, really strongly pushed on me. And I was always kind of receptive, but also kind of not. Like, I guess that was my way of rebelling a little bit of being like, yeah, I'm totally into it. And then the next week be like, I hate this. I would never do, you know, I would never go into medicine. Um, But I think that, you know, growing up, especially having gone to um, Arcadia High, where uh, the caliber of students is really intense, you know, I remember the class, the graduating class before us, when we were applying for colleges, everybody was talking about the Ivy leagues that they were going to. And I remember thinking like, Oh my God, I, I didn't even know that like Harvard actually accepted normal people, <laughs> or, like, you know, mere mortals or something. Um, right. but yeah, my, my, I kind of grew up, uh, being in my mind, you know, that friend that was like, always trying to catch up. Like my friends were always really good at school. They got straight A's. They, you know, they excelled in piano. They were great at violin. You know, they participated in all the right extracurriculars and they kind of, the resume that they had built up by the time they were in like eighth grade, they probably could have gotten into Harvard with their like eighth grade, you know, transcript. And so I always kind of felt like I was playing catch up. Um, I think that I, 
I really struggled with school. That that's kind of like the honest thing. Um, I think that I had, I, I don't know if it was just my personality or whatever. I always loved to talk to people and I was always, you know, about that communication. But when it came down to, you know, um, calculus, I could, I couldn't put the two and two together. So that was something that I really struggled with. And, um, do you think that that's because, uh, you told yourself that you weren't good at the subject or you really weren't good at the subject? Um, that's actually a really good question. That's deep. Uh, (laughs) I feel like I kind of, I think it was a bit of both, you know, where I felt like my friends were really good at something and I half-assed it. And then I didn't really like fully put my heart into it, kind of going into the mindset of being like, well, I'm going to be bad at this anyway. And then kind of letting it slide. So I think it was kind of a combination of both. Um, I know that I always like I never really put my studies first. That was probably one of the bigger things, too. Like, you know, I was always staying up till like three or four watching TV. And so I think that that just kind of shows that my like love for media was always there. Um, But you know, in kind of the school system and the way that things are set up, it doesn't really allow creatives or allow people who are, who have those interests to really express themselves. So it's kind of like, if you're good at math and English, you're going to cruise through high school. But if you have other interests, it's harder to incorporate that, I think. And And also, sorry, and mm -hmm. also as uh, an Asian American or growing up in an Asian household, Mm -hmm. academics are, everything Mm -hmm. and i mean granted granted they put you in extracurricular stuff but the heart and soul of being a success as an asian is that you're good at math and you're good at you get into your honors classes like those are the things that our parents stressed so those are the things that were valued therefore i i totally relate to what you're saying because i got that growing up too where um i think i was decent in in the subjects, but because I was constantly being compared to other kids by my mom, that in my own head, I created that deficiency. And mm-hmm. like you said, it just, I think it just played out like it was a self-fulfilling prophecy. And every time I took tests or every time I studied, there would be like something that blocks me from really excelling because I just told myself, oh, you're not smart in math. You're not good in the subject. Yeah, it kind of got to the point where you're just like giving yourself excuses where you're like, well, I'm not going to be good at this anyway. So whatever, I didn't care. And I think it's Mm -hmm. really easy to kind of fall into that pit of being like, well, I don't really care what, you know, about school, like school doesn't matter anyway. Um, and in a way, yeah. Well, and and the worst thing is like, as an growing up as a kid, it's like to be a disappointment to your parents. Mm -hmm. So I can definitely see looking back that, uh, the reason why, you know, we didn't, put our heart and soul into it after a while is because how how much heartache can you take when you keep disappointing your parents yeah and yeah every time I didn't get an A or A plus in math or science or whatever that speaks to I guess my limitations and that would crush my parents and it would crush me therefore after a while like when I got to high school, I just said, screw it. I don't care. But I actually did still care. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I completely get that. And I, yeah. I remember kind of like even when it came to tests, I would feel like I studied really hard. And then, you know, and then you get your score back and you're like, how did I do so much worse than my friends when I feel like I studied about the same? Um, when sometimes the reality of the situation is just that they've been keeping up throughout the entire semester versus you probably like 
for me, I know it was kind of like I was, I spent the past two weeks catching up on like an entire semester's worth of things. Right. So how did that play into adulthood now that, you know, you're working in a corporate setting and you're Mm -hmm. in your mid 20s? Yeah. I mean, I think that one of the main reasons why I moved out to New York is because, you know, that saying where they're like, if you can make it in New York, you can make it anywhere. And (laughs) so I kind of always felt like I needed that, like, that that proof that evidence you know that i'm just as good even though i'm not pursuing medicine or not pursuing law or something that's like more traditional um i now work at you know like a large corporation with a recognizable name and i hold that like so much pride over that i hold so much pride over the fact that i can say like oh i work at you know x company and have people be like oh i've actually heard of that um to be honest it doesn't really make that big of a difference. You know, I have so many friends who work at startups that when, you know, when they say I work at X startup, people are like, huh, what is that? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. But like they have much better experiences than, you know, um, some of the things that I'm struggling with at work. But, you know, I think that that was just something that I needed to do for me just to kind of have on my resume or have to have as like a, a backup. And now that I have it, I feel like I'm now able to kind of explore other things that I'm interested in. But even so at work, I feel like I still kind of have this hindrance of being like, oh, remember, remember in high school when you weren't good enough? Or, hey, 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 remember when, you know, everybody else knew all the answers and you were just lost and confused? I think I still have um, kind of those stigmas that I'm trying to fight against and trying to be like, okay, it's fine if my coworker knows more about, you know, this subject, because I probably know more about this subject. And, um, that's something that I, I think I still struggle with. Like in a meeting, when people speak up, I feel like I take longer to process things. And so by the time other people speak, other, I speak up, other people have already said the thing that I was going to say, or they'll bring up things or they'll bring up subjects that I'm like, oh my gosh, I never thought of that. And I still feel, still feel like I'm my own worst critic when it comes to that. But you know, that's something that I'm working on, um, improving. Right. And I think, you know, connecting the dots, it, makes a lot of sense because I mean from a kid to now being an adult it really is looking at I guess the whole concept of you feeling not good enough it's because there's a clear difference between someone who's actually really learning to learn mm-hmm. versus someone who's just not that interested and just getting by yeah right? so I, I mean I'm, I'm, I'm saying that because I was that person too after a while mm-hmm. and you know all these people that to get into say Harvard or you know Ivy League schools like the schools don't really matter Mm -hmm. your company name doesn't really matter Mm -hmm. I mean it matters to a certain sense but really the ultimate goal should be looking at it as in what are you trying to learn there what can you give there how can you really take away from this experience like I am a true believer of you know you get what you put in Mm -hmm. so at the end it doesn't really matter in like the name of the company because ultimately you can be at uh i hate to use mcdonald's like i feel like everyone always uses mcdonald's as the lower end that's like the number one that's like the first restaurant the fast food restaurant that all asian parents go to you know like do you want to be working at mcdonald's for the rest of your life I guess it like because McDonald's is an international company too, so kids all around the world are like, yeah. no, I don't want McDonald's. Everyone has the same understanding yeah. of the class that McDonald's sits at. But I've heard McDonald's in Europe 
it's pretty classy. Oh, so it's super maybe classy. It's, yeah. So maybe like European kids are like, oh my God, I would love to work at McDonald's. Yeah. <laughs> so I guess for the sake of this analogy, it's like yeah. whether you work at McDonald's or you work at <laughs> Apple or Facebook or whatever prestigious company is now, mm-hmm. um, how you feel on the inside about yourself is going to carry over wherever you go. Yeah. And so in, I guess, connecting the dots for you, it really is like thinking, oh, you don't, you're not, you're, you have to catch up or um, you're not picking things up as fast as your coworkers or whatever it is. It really shouldn't matter because you're really there to learn. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And these are, these are, you're getting answers about you, uh, your limitations, your potential and your purpose. And those are things that are timeless. There's really no race to whoever gets there first. <laughs> I completely agree. And I think that this kind of goes back into the topic that we were talking about earlier, where it comes to like, you know, friendly comp or friendly slash unfriendly competition, you know, where you feel like yeah. whether it's other females that you're competing with or just other coworkers that you compete, you're competing with, um, you feel that competition. And I think at the end of the day, it's like, if you do feel like someone else is better at something than you, there's no nothing wrong with asking for help or asking for them to tutor you like one of my best friends in high school we were taking the same ap statistics class i was awful at statistics i i was so frustrated with all the numbers and everything and you know i wasn't doing as well as she was and so i remember i would ask her i'd be like hey after school you know can you tutor me of course, a lot of the tutoring sessions ended up being like gossip sessions, but you know, um, she did help me kind of, uh, bring my grade back up because I admitted to kind of that weakness and it's okay to admit to weakness because, you know, if you fail, learn to pick yourself back up or learn to ask for help to help you get to like a more successful place. Cause essentially, honestly, looking back now, a lot of your weaknesses aren't actually weaknesses. Mm-hmm. They're just subjects that you didn't put in the time that mm-hmm. other people did or it's natural for them. Exactly. So I think because like for me, I always mm-hmm. go to math because yeah. like compared to other people and my brother, I just wasn't as great. Mm-hmm. But then I also didn't suck at math. I just mm-hmm. didn't really put in the time right. to really get, really get better at it. I mean, I got tutored and all that, but I, I got to a point where I just didn't care. Yeah. But, um, so it's not really a weakness. Mm-hmm. It's just for some people, it's a strength. And it's, there's a difference between that. Yeah, yeah. What do you feel like is kind of that one big thing that you feel, like you still hold to this day of being something that like affects like, you know, your actions and behaviors on a daily basis? So uh, one thing I wanted to touch on was love. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I I, love we, like. For the past three episodes, we talked about like you know ourselves and uh, bigger experience and stuff. But I think love plays a big part in life, in daily life, and all that. Definitely. And growing up, I hung out with mostly boys because uh, during church there were all boys, and mm-hmm. I was one of the few girls. And I often would be looked at as, or at least in my mind, like the girl who was overlooked. Mm-hmm. I had this huge crush on this boy, <laughs> and he actually just got engaged. So. <laughs> <laughs> Oops. <laughs> and I, yeah, and I was thinking about it the other day, and I was like, I had a huge crush on him, but he never liked me. He always looked at me as one of the boys, maybe, or just not the girl that he was ever interested in. And um, 
I think I took that with me growing up, just feeling like I wasn't attractive or there's something wrong with me. Because they would, he would, he and other guys would make comments about other girls and how pretty they were and uh, that they had crushes on them, etc. Right? But I was almost invisible. And throughout my adolescence to even adulthood, I just kind of became the best friend of. The, the girl who was always chased. Yes. So I was... Oh my gosh. Right? Yeah. Like I, the worst thing was like, you know, when like this cute, like you would just meet like a cute guy and the cute guy comes over to talk to you. You're like, oh my God, you get all giddy. <laughs> and they're like, hey, is your friend single? <laughs> you're like... You're like, uh, Yes. Yeah. <laughs> no, she has she a boyfriend. Like- <laughs> Leave her alone. <laughs> yeah. And that, that would be kind of my story. So... Um, even my first boyfriend in high school, he was known to have a major, major crush on this girl, mm-hmm. Trisha. Oh. Patricia. Uh, and, Patricia. Um, Patricia. And then <laughs> and she was never into him. Like he had a crush on her since like he was in elementary school or middle school. And then she always rejected him. And then me and him got close and then I became his first girlfriend, mm-hmm. him, my first boyfriend. And I just always felt like the rebound, like the sub-in. Like he couldn't get the girl of his dreams. So, hey, cool, you're here. That's Why don't you be my girlfriend? <laughs> and that was something I totally just like told myself. Yeah. And regardless of how he actually felt, that's just something I, I chose to believe in. Mm-hmm. And into adulthood, like it's really played into a lot of, just my love life and not ever feeling uh, like the girl that guys would actually really love or really be interested in. I have a boyfriend of, it's going on six years now, uh, Jack. Wow. And uh, yeah, uh, yeah, he, Regina and him are actually pretty close. So. <laughs> We're like best friends uh, with, behind the <laughs> screens. <laughs> we talk about Christine all the time. <laughs> just amazing things, of course. Uh, but yeah, so that still plays into our relationship. And that's something that I had, like I've dated throughout my twenties. And, um, I just noticed that there was a repeated pattern of how I saw myself and carried myself in a relationship. And I felt like I always had to overcompensate in other areas. Like I was extra independent or extra sassy. And I would, I don't need to fully like lean in to the relationship. It's Mm -hmm. like, I don't really need you Mm -hmm. because once you, because once the guy actually realizes, oh, she's not that great or I'm not that into her anyways, then I think deep down I feel like they're going to leave me or they figure out the truth. Like, they're going to, like, dump me. Mm-hmm. And um, it's something that, yeah, feeling attractive is something that I have to constantly uh, deal with. And that's a, it's an insecurity of mine. Not just, like, looking pretty. It's just feeling attractive. Yeah, it's yeah, right. it's so funny, honestly, like listening to you say this, because as you're saying it, I can relate to that so much. And I can think to myself like, oh, my God, I know exactly how she feels, because I think that on a daily basis, like, you know, like these are feelings that I have about myself. But, you know, you and I have gotten to become so close. And when you're saying these things about you. I can't, I can't see what you're thinking. Like, I'd say just, yeah, when you said that right now, yeah. I'm like, what? Of course you're attractive. <laughs> of course, like, like you actually deserve a guy who would like be worthy of all the strengths that you have and your personality and yeah, what makes and, you Regina. And it's like, it, that's exactly how I feel about you, you know? And oh my God. Oh my God. <laughs> We're just like totally just hitting on each other. <laughs> but I mean, creepy look. exactly, exactly. But you know, I feel like this is just 
kind of it goes to show you know how a lot of these things are just built up in your own head right right and that's and that's why it's like going back to where does this stem from Mm -hmm. it's not just something that i picked up like in my 20s because you know some relationships didn't go the way i wanted or etc it's something that i told myself back then when i was a kid and it just kind of grew into a monster of a thing now. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. as much as I think it's like, oh, just part of my personality or you, I think I knew that felt off that not that, oh, I have to feel attractive, but that I feel so unattractive. Yeah. That feels off to me. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. And I realized that when you pick up on those type of feelings where it's just not that you shouldn't feel that way, but it just feels so like, why do you put yourself down? Mm Mm-hmm those are the key moments to really just like hone in on and really do some like digging to see where where does that stem from completely i think that you know the getting to the root of insecurities it is difficult because you're gonna have to bring up these kind of ideas um that you've kind of, you've essentially made up in your head, right? Like you thinking that your your boyfriend, your first boyfriend, was never fully interested in you and only dated you as a as a backup. Like that's a scenario that you kind of created in your head. So I think that it yeah. helps to kind of talk through things or kind of really dig deep into like why do I think this way? I think you're saying that yeah. If you basically it's like you want to treat yourself like how your friends would treat you yeah and you know you're always going to be your you know own worst critic and so i think that there are certain things that if you have repeated to yourself over and over again i'm not good enough i'm not pretty enough i'm not attractive enough i'm not smart enough um it just becomes so ingrained in your dna um but when you really go to the root of why you think this way you'll realize that it probably comes from like a really it, like a really stupid event. Silly. Yeah, silly. Like a silly situation. Silly situation, yeah. exactly. And I've realized that with a lot of uh, reflections back where the things that we tell ourselves as children, when you look at it as an adult, you're like, that's, have I really just based my entire life off of that <laughs> one story I told myself? When I was like five <laughs> or yeah, eight. Yeah, <laughs> Like there are definitely, I mean, I could talk, on the subject forever and ever because it's like currently what I'm doing as like self therapy, but you know, like things that I've like, even things like, Oh, I told myself as a kid that my parents favored my brother. They loved my brother more because he was a boy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And this sounds so silly. And then really how it played out in my head is every time they paid him any attention or he got a toy or they said something nice about him or to him, I always took that as evidence as, oh my God, see, they totally love him more. But it's because I see life through that filter. And eventually the jealousy grew and it got bigger and it really hindered our relationship growing up. So when you see situations like that as an adult, you're like, wait a sec, I want to have a better relationship with my brother. You know, how come I don't have close friends? (laughs) Or how come, like, it doesn't seem like I can get the jobs that I want. There seems to be roadblocks. What's happening? Those are red flags to really self-reflect. And, and like we said, go back and connect the dots. And honestly, as an adult, sometimes we are going through situations that just don't seem clear to us as to why they're playing out the way they are. But for my, 
for my own purposes, I just I just take it as everything serves a purpose, whether it has something directly to do with me or somebody else. I feel like sometimes we are just characters in somebody else's story and we're affected indirectly, but it's not really about us. And just keep moving on. And the things that really keep us down or that we keep making the same mistakes over and over again is really worth exploring. Like going back to when you were a kid in middle school and high school and seeing where that came from. Yeah. And I've noticed one of the things for me personally is like writing things down, like writing kind of like going through my childhood and being like, this is how I felt. Because I think that, you know, there are a lot of thoughts that kind of run through your mind every single day. But when you really are able to jot it down and see it on a piece of paper and see how it plays out, it, you'll, you'll, you really do see how silly it is, you know? And, um, I think that, you know, going back to kind of your like filter thing, like, if you turn on a sepia, like a sepia filter on your iPhone, right? On your like photos, like on your yeah. camera, like all the photos are going to turn sepia. Like there's nothing you can do about it. That's just how it's going to be. And like, if you do that in your life, you like, you know, you turn on the not good enough filter or not pretty enough filter. That's just all you're ever going to think of. Yeah. Yeah. It's like you can take a million photos and you're never going to be happy with it yeah. because you just don't like the way you look. Yeah. Cause That's you don't like the filter that you've put on. Yeah, exactly. Um, so it it is retracing your steps. I know it's like, oh, go back to your childhood mm-hmm. seems like such a, well, where do I begin? Mm-hmm. And a lot of times, yeah. <laughs> like, like, oh, God, a lot of t- where do I begin? <laughs> yeah, yeah, because it's, it's such a daunting, like you've lived so much of your life. But for me, really, it's just letting my mind wander and just retracing my steps. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm like, I I don't like myself. Okay, why didn't I like myself in middle uh, in college? than in high school, in middle school, and then as a kid. And that's just how I retrace my steps. And actually, when you go further down the line, you'll begin to have memories that pop up that you've totally forgotten. And just, just write, like Regina said, write it down. See how much you remember and see what you told yourself at the time. And, you know, you'll, you'll, you'll start getting some answers from there. Um, now that you've come to this kind of realization that you lived, you know, part of your childhood with a filter that thinking that your parents, um, favored your brother more, like after coming to the realization that you had this filter on, do you feel like you've changed? Um, you know, like, do you feel like that you're the way that you treated your brother is different treat your brother is different now? Or do you feel like, um, you know, the way you view your relationship is different now? Oh yeah, absolutely. Uh, me and my brother, now he's like my best friend mm-hmm. and I honestly would have never said that before college <laughs> uh and I, I just realized now looking back he, like I wasted so much time being angry and being jealous mm-hmm. I really did and my brother and I actually have the exact same type of humor he gets me without me having to explain anything and he's he's younger than I am by four and a half years but I feel like he's Ugh, if he's listening like he's so much wiser <laughs> like honestly because before he would always be the younger brother that was annoying and wanted to hang out but now i'm that sibling. you're like hey <laughs> hang out with me I'm what like, are you doing this hey, weekend what are you, yeah <laughs> i randomly sent him gifs that totally make no sense and he's always like what okay you know and he'll send me another gif right back and he just totally gets it so oh that's really nice yeah it's 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 like you said where even with you and your experience and not feeling 
like you compare with your with your friends like when you look back now do you feel that you would have done things differently or how would your life have panned out if you realized this sooner um yeah no I feel I kind of feel the same way I I didn't grow up with siblings so I feel like I didn't have that friendly competition with like a you know a a sibling but I had that kind of competition with my other friends ironically we were all single children so maybe that was just our way of building drama (laughs) um but I think that you know now looking back I realized that all the time that I spent like frustrated at my friends for being so much smarter than me or so much more successful than me like they never felt that they never looked at me and they're like oh (laughs) regina's like doing so much worse in school you know they always looked at it as like a how can i help her or like how can i encourage her and and i think that it what it kind of did take me um kind of getting into media something that was so untraditional for like to tell my parents for them to be like, no, this totally fits you. Like, you know, they've, these are girls that I grew up with. These are girls that know me inside and out probably better than I know myself. Um, and for them to kind of look at, you know, the path that I was choosing to take and having them being so encouraging and being like, you can do this, you know, like we're, we're just so supportive of one another that it really did make me feel really ridiculous <laughs> for being so jealous for, of them for so many years. Yeah. And, Really, instead of playing by other people's rules and trying to get better at what they deem as worthy subjects and, like, you could have spent that time really exploring what interested you. Yeah. And, be, and develop those skills as you're doing now. Mm-hmm, right? Exactly. And not being ashamed about it. Yeah, not feeling like, oh, okay, like, I actually like to watch movies more <laughs> than reading. Like, granted, as a kid, yeah, you should just... <laughs> you should keep up on your studies, right? right? But it's not the end of the world. But it is just keeping in mind that just because you have different interests than other people doesn't make it less worthy or less less successful or less respected and other people are judging you. I mean, whether they do or not, that's their business. This is your life. Mm-hmm. And the whole point is to figure out what is your purpose? What are you good at? What do you li- not even what are you good at, but what do you like? And just go from there. Yeah, completely. And I always remember people saying, um, you know, if you're able to turn something that you love into something that can also support you financially, like that's the dream. And if you don't really pursue those interests, you'll never really learn. You know, a lot of our friends who are in the creative field, they kind of did take risks. You know, we have friends who are photographers. Photography is will all, is kind of one of those things where, you know, like my dad, he loves photography, but he always says like I could never full, pursue it full time. And of course, that the 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 generational gap is different and times are different now, but you know, that's something that he was really passionate about, but he never was able to or like had the courage to kind of pursue that full, wholeheartedly. Right, right. And that that's just that just sucks. <laughs> you know, like yeah. the potential. Yeah. Well, this has been such an uplifting conversation, even though we kind of dug into like the deep uh, insecurities that we had or that kind of digging into that like one event that we felt like really shaped us. Um, But, you know, at the end of the day, I think that we can kind of realize that, you know, um, it's really easy to be caught up in kind of the sadness and like the disappointment that you felt and not see the happiness that was there. So I think looking at it, really, it's my biggest takeaway from reflecting back on memories it's that 
don't let things hold you back. Don't be afraid to see a life and, ex- and experiences outside of what your life has been like. So don't feel like you have to be confined to, I guess, the standards and, and the insecurities that you've built along the way. Because there are ways and mechanisms and strategies that you can to kind of break free of that. You have to work on it daily. I completely agree. And I feel like, you know, all of the things that really bothered us growing up you know now looking back at it we're like oh that you know every memory serves a purpose every every mistake every triumph helped shape you into who you are today right and you should take pride in Mm -hmm. that and then that your life really is in your control as much as other your external circumstances may not be but your thoughts and your actions are totally in your control And that's empowering. Mm -hmm, Completely. And, you know, for every sad memory you have, there's always going to be a happy memory. So remember to focus on that. Like this one. (laughs) I hope it's been a happy memory for you guys as it is for us. Don't forget to follow us on our social media accounts. Links will be in the description. And uh, don't forget to rate and subscribe us on iTunes. Yay, we will see you next week where we'll be talking about women in the workplace. Yeah. Excited for that one. (laughs) All right. Well, it's been great having you guys join us for another episode of Perfectly Imperfect, and we'll see you guys next week. Bye. Bye.